I think that there's only one other place in the gospel that speaks about a treasure hidden in a field outside of this gospel. Um, I think you know what it is. It's the parable of the talents. Remember the guy, householder, gives uh, to each of his servants one ten, one five, and one one. They go off and spend it and they make more money, except for the one guy. And he goes and buries his treasure in a field. Right, the talent, right, it's not like my abilities or whatever. It actually is a, it's a, it's a large sum of money that this man entrusts to his servants. So it seems to me that maybe in the gospel today, our Lord is offering us, um, well, sort of a same, like a similar challenge to in that parable of uh, the man who, who entrusts the talents to his servants. It's opportunity. How do we say it? How does our Lord say it? To him who has, more will be given, and to him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That man who goes and buries his treasure in the field, someone who's slightly more opportunistic, I mean that in a good way, seems like he's going to take advantage of the opportunity, take advantage of what he is given. And this man with joy, I mean, this man who hasn't worked for it at all, he wasn't even a servant of this ridiculously wealthy man stumbles across the treasure in the field, stumbles across the treasure that somebody else was entrusted, stumbles across this gift of God, this, this infinite gift of God in the end that is handed out to all of us, that's offered to each of us. And the one guy who decides, is afraid of his master, he ends up being called wicked and lazy at the end of Matthew's gospel, who goes and buries it in a field, this great gift that he's been given, is taken up by somebody else. It's taken up by someone who is willing to let go of everything else that he has for this gift, this treasure buried in a field. So we can think about, um, I don't know, I had a Klondike bar for dessert last night. What would you do for a Klondike bar, right? What would you be willing to give up for this treasure in a field. Because we have a sense of, like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do some stuff. I'm like, I'm willing to come to Mass on Sunday. I'm willing to pray every day. I mean, whatever it is, get rid of sin. What's amazing, though, is that our Lord says, not even on the, on the same level, it's not so much, I'm going to make you give up everything because everything you have is awful, right? Our Lord doesn't approach us in that kind of a way. What our Lord does say in the Gospel today is that when the person finds the treasure in the field, he hides it again. Out of joy, he goes and sells all that he has. Think of it more in terms of like a courtship. You meet the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams. What happens? It's not like, ah, oh, I guess I've got to give up everything else for this person. It's, no, this is amazing. I finally found everything I've been looking for in this other person. And there's a joy. There's a, there's a complete willingness to let go of everything that I have. I mean, look, how many guys on dates have watched chick flicks with their girlfriends? Movies they'd never watch except that I'm with her, and it's great. I mean, all, all and spouses and significant others, you, like, you know, there's a million other examples out there, things that you do for your spouse that you'd never do otherwise. But it's because of the goodness of the person who you are with 
that you're willing to give up everything. You're willing to let it, like, to let it all go. So this is the treasure that our Lord offers to us. And he reminds us that everything that he offers us in the kingdom of God, this is what my heart desires. You've heard it, I'm sure, a thousand times before, but I think Augustine says it well. You've made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And that's why someone like St. Augustine, who was, well, a profligate, before his conversion, didn't exactly live a holy youth, child out of wedlock, etc., etc. When he finally found what his heart was looking for, he was absolutely willing to give it all up, to let it all go, because he knew that everything else was worthless. And so here we are. Our Lord holds out to us this treasure in a field, which ultimately, let's be honest, it's himself. Our Lord holds this gift out to us. And either I don't see the gift in it, I don't see the goodness of it, I pass it by, kind of like, I don't know, I'm the, the, the path where the seed is sown and it's not even, not even a little bit receptive to the gift that, that God has to offer me. Or maybe I'm too attached to other things of this world. I'm, I'm, well, I'm going back to this other parable. I'm, I've got the thorns in, my, in, in the soil here, right? And I've, I've, I've been attached to wealth and, and to other things, other, the other anxieties and cares of this life. And so it offers us then the same reflection that he offered us a few weeks ago. Why is it that I'm not willing to sell everything that I have? I mean, outside of the context of seeking God himself, that's a ridiculous question. I mean, if someone walked, you, walked up to you off the street and said, are you willing to sell everything you have? No, of course not. There's a reason I have these things, because they're, they're, they're good. And God's given me a mission and a vocation in life. And I'm to use these things in a healthy way for the, for the sake of what well, we say, love of God and love of neighbor, of my family for my community, for my society. It's all, it's, all, it's all good things. And yet, our Lord still reminds us, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? If these things get in the way of serving God, if these things get in the way of finding that treasure in the field, well, they have to be, well, we can say thrown aside, or we can say reordered. I want the treasure in the field. Do you want the treasure in the field? Are you willing to let it all go? Am I willing to let it all go? So what's the gift? Like, is it really worth it? Becomes the next question. Because sometimes there are those temptations that creep in. My life is going to be so hard if I give everything to Christ. What is it that I have to give up? We start counting the cost. So the next parable he gives us, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. A lot of times we say, oh, well, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. It's also like this fine pearl. But it's not what our Lord says. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who's searching for fine pearls. He's like well, something else. 
The fine pearl, well, I don't know. Men, why do you buy pearls? You buy them for yourselves? I don't think so. Not normally, right? No, you buy them for your wife. She's the one who wants the pearl. She's the one who's going to be adorned with the pearl. Now, the second parable is actually about our Lord. Our Lord is the merchant. He, is, he himself is the kingdom of heaven, who, in asking us to give, to give up everything to buy the treasure in the field, gives us first the example. and says, I'm going to sell everything that I have first, and I'm going to buy this fine pearl, this pearl of great price, as we call it, and I'm going to adorn my bride with it. This is the gift that I'm offering to you. So in the, king, in, in the book of Revelation, when the, the, the new Jerusalem, which is the bride of Christ, the kingdom of heaven, this is the church, this is all of us, the bride of Christ is seen coming down out of heaven. The description of the bride includes pearls, 12 gates, and each gate is made of a single pearl. This is the gift that our Lord offers to his bride, this pearl of great price which, when he empties himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, when he dies on the cross for us, letting go of, of absolutely everything, now he buys for us this beautiful gift, which in the end, let's be honest, it's himself. It's his divinity. We become sharers in the very divine nature of God himself. I mean, how fantastic is that? How many of us have the opportunity, I mean, can, can say of ourselves, I deserve that gift from God. I've been such an amazing person in my life that God's divinity is something owed to me. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, right? No, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That while we were still separated from him, as men and women who've shown ourselves completely undeserving of the gift of God. He says, no, that's the gift I'm going to give them anyway. This is what I desire for them. So that treasury, that treasury, the treasure that our Lord mentions in the first parable. You know, he actually mentions it at the end of the gospel, but this translation, sorry, isn't a good one. Every scribe who's been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom, both the new and the old, Storeroom, it's the same word, it's treasury. Brings from his treasure the new and the old. And if we are the scribes who are instructed in the kingdom of heaven, what greater gift can we have than to become like the head of the household? Every, every other time that word is used in the New Testament, it's speaking about God himself, the head of the household. If they called the, hel- the head of the household Beelzebul, how much more his servants? our Lord says it. The head of the household who is, the woman comes and is knocking on the door, knocking on the door, give me some bread to eat. The head of the household is the one who has to respond. So over and over in these parables, our Lord uses that same image. And so he offers then to us, to become like the head of the household, he offers to us to share in his divinity, to share in the divine nature of God himself. How is it that God makes me like him. I mean, this is an amazing gift when we consider it. And this is everything that our hearts tend towards. So it's, the only, it's like the only reason, the only worthwhile reason 
to sell everything I have and to give it all up. I'm not trying to give it all up to become a better person. I don't know what that means. I'm giving it all up to be united to my God. I'm giving it all up so that my heart isn't filled with other things that God wants to, to fill with himself. To live in and with God. It's the meaning of our lives. And at each one of us, just like Augustine, has discovered in little ways or maybe big ways, I don't know where you've been in your life, but we've discovered that it's not worth it. We've discovered that it doesn't satisfy. You know, another image in the book of Revelation, okay, are the merchants of the world, not the merchant who is Christ, but the merchants of the world. They also have pearls, by the way. And they're adorning not the bride of Christ, they're adorning a different woman. She's identified with Babylon, like not a good image. They're adorning a different woman with, her, with their pearls. That woman happens to be riding on the beast. Okay, again, not a good image for us. So then the question becomes for me, great, what am I doing with this pearl of divinity that God offers to me? Am I offering it? Am I trying to make something else divine? Am I trying to, trying to make the things of this world divine? Am I trying to make my heaven on earth? Or am I being united to God himself? So here we are, here at the altar, again receiving the opportunity, well, to have that treasure in my own heart. The divinity of Christ enters into me when I receive Holy Communion. Again, how cool is that? Not only am I this guy searching for the treasure in the depths of my heart because the kingdom of God is within, that's how our Lord says it in Luke's Gospel, but the kingdom of God enters into me over and over and over again to deepen his roots in my heart and to give me the peace and the fulfillment and the joy that I desire.